welcome to another episode of Fly Over the Grass, the show that sheds light on creative roles into a career in social impact. Um, I'm recording this little intro from my garden, so if you do hear the birds in the background, um, I hope you enjoy. Uh, This week, um, I want to introduce an episode where I talk to Annika, an experienced designer and connector of people from Amsterdam. Annika initially trained as a musicologist, and we'll talk more about what that means in this episode. She was headed into a life as an academic, but realised that something wasn't quite right. After exploring a number of avenues in the creative arts, a course at the creative facilitation organisation Hyper Island dramatically changed her trajectory. It led her to start a business in creative facilitation, which involves her helping organisations to change how they work. These skills also translated into a role at Makers Unite, a social enterprise that supports newcomers to the Netherlands into creative jobs. Now Annika spends most of her time at the University of Applied Sciences in Amsterdam, disrupting how they do education around social impact and connecting all of their work around social and sustainable development with the outside world and vice versa. In this episode, we talk, amongst other things, about how to conquer the this-doesn't-feel-quite-right part of getting into a career that suits you, what it means to be a generalist, and the importance of the JFDI mantra, just fucking do it. I hope you enjoy the show. Annika, welcome. Thank you. It's so great to have you here in the uh, Amsterdam Flyover the Grass studio, aka my kitchen. Yes. Um, and thanks so much for bringing our little treat. Can you take us through it? So it's called an olibo, which translates as an oil ball, which doesn't sound very attractive, mm-hmm. but it tastes pretty good. Uh, it's a Dutch specialty. So culinary, it's not that great, I think. It tastes good, but it's not very refined. And we eat it with New Year's. Mm-hmm. So it has uh, raisins and dough and it's deep fried. That's basically it. It basically covers your fingers with oil. Yes. And it's like a sticky, delicious mess. With exactly. Sweet, sweet raisin. Yeah. Um, we've still got a little bit tempting us in between the table right now. Yes. Yummy. <laughs> um, thanks so much for coming over. Thank you for having me. This is so lovely to chat to you. It is. Um, and first of all, it would be really good to if you could introduce what you do. Hmm, that's always uh, not an easy question. Um, so I work mainly at the University of Applied Sciences, uh, where my... Um, in Amsterdam? Yes, yeah. And my position officially is called an impact producer, which doesn't say that much, I think. But Sounds I, fancy, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People are always like, oh, interesting, what's that? And then I have to explain it, which is the challenging part. Um, but uh, I tend to explain it as I do a little bit of everything related to socially and sustainably development. Um, we work within a part of the university that's sort of experimenting with education. Um, and my role is to connect what we do inside with the outside world or the outside world with the inside world, basically. That's how I sum it up or mm. always start. <laughs> Very interesting. Is that what you, what do you, I feel like the biggest challenge is also how do you explain it to your granny in a sentence? Yeah, that's hard. Normally I say, well, I work at university and she's like, oh, great, teacher, whatever. And then I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) That is a bit easier, isn't it? She's always, she used to be, she's not alive anymore, but she used to be very happy that I had um, fixed work, as she would call it. So. Ah, as in a full-time job? Yes, that would be the most important thing. Oh, really? um, As in because... That's what matters to her or you 
No, yeah, that's yeah, what like yeah. work is. If you have a fixed job, then it's it's like you achieved it. So university is a great place to be. It's education. You teach. It's fine. It's yeah, understandable. It's understandable, and I suppose it's pretty stable as well. Yeah, you know, you can always work in that. Yeah, but yeah, I'm not sure. Have the from what I know as well, nothing that you do really fulfills the stereotype of a professor at a university. No. No, people normally ask, do you, oh, you teach? And then I say, eh, maybe it's a bit of like workshops, trainings. And then they, if they're interested, they ask more. And then I tell them a bit like what I normally do workshops in. So it could be about how do you design for or with sustainable principles, basically. Uh, sometimes I start out with, I'm a designer. And then they ask, oh, what do you make? And I say, oh, shit, I don't make anything. Like no chairs. Oh, so you make posters? No. Oh, you do websites? I'm like, no, I can't make anything. And then you see them like puzzled look of, you're, you say you're a designer, but you can't make anything. That's that's wrong. That's that, not that that's doesn't not true. Make any sense. What is this? And then I say, well, I I'm really good at helping people make things. And then they're like, ah, education and design. Okay, yes, it starts making sense. But um, yeah, so I don't I don't consider myself as making anything tangible in a sense. Uh, but then I try to explain it more on. I design processes or I help, yeah, help people design things. So I, I sort of help them with, uh, yeah, how to make what they want to make or how they do what they want to do, uh, how to collaborate, how to, yeah, and, and to facilitate that process. So tell us about that then. How, what was your journey then into, into getting into this field of design without having a design background? Mm, so I was trained as a musicologist. Uh, oh my goodness me <laughs> what is that yeah well there we go so there's always the tendency when people ask so what do you do and I'm like oh no I, I do something new now but it's still inexplicable <laughs> uh, which maybe is the only yeah thing that continues in my life but so I was trained as a musicologist which sort of I would explain as it's um, it's like not making music so people would always ask oh so you make music and I would say no I do make music but not for my studies so it's always like denying what people think you are actually that's my life story i guess <laughs> i was gonna Shit. say there's a bit of a theme here <laughs> yeah, yeah. Your jobs. no but no and i am I motivated by anything that i can't explain exactly <laughs> um no so it's not necessarily making music but it's more um um yeah part of it is music theory part of it is music history and i mostly did what i would explain as the anthropology of music so studying other music cultures um i did it here in amsterdam as well where they have a specialty in what used to be called uh, world music or cultural musicology, so the anthropology of. Uh, and I specialized in Brazilian music. Um, and I did that. I did my master's also. And then I thought, I want. I don't want to be just a musicologist. It feels too narrow. So I did another master's in what was called cultural analysis, which was the second journey of, so what's that? And then I'd have to explain, like, ah, oh, well, it's like philosophy but cultural studies but then also a bit of theater studies and mainly just to prepare you for an academic career uh, because I thought well maybe I will will do a PhD so I did the master's and then I thought I don't want to do a PhD very insightful but also um, then I had to become yeah come up with a new plan um, so I did that then I thought okay academia no uh, I did some work in the cultural field in Amsterdam so I worked at a fund which was sort of on the research side, but it was a, yeah, a lot more practical than in academia. And then I thought, yeah, this is also not really my place. I was working on the side uh, at the music theater just from my student job where I stayed 
at the box office. And then, but I also didn't see myself doing that forever. Uh, but I also didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, and then I came across a course at Hyper Island. They did a pilot here in Amsterdam, which was called Experience Design. And I thought, oh, Experience Design. Well, I did some stuff in my studies with like WordPress website. And I thought mm, it might be a good skill to have mm. learning how to code or how to design, which I didn't learn, which was actually great. But at the time I thought, oh, I'm going to do, I'm going to like learn how to make websites and make things. But that's, that's quite a dramatic shift then from what you were doing before. Did not feel a bit. So much yeah. Yeah, I think because uh, when I did my, when I finalized my studies in cultural uh, analysis, uh, I wrote my thesis about the design of a, a museum exhibition, um, which was mostly because it was about Brazil and I wanted to do something with Brazil because I just came from there, uh, doing my bachelor's there. So I thought, oh, this is about a topic I like. It's also, it was sort of related how, how do you create a uh, tangible experience with something intangible? So how do you, it was for the Children's Museum here, uh, how do you bring a culture that is very based in uh, in music, in dance, in yeah, a lot of things that you have to do or feel, how do you translate that into a static exhibition? And they do a lot with participatory uh, exhibitions. So in that sense, it was a bit about how do you design things, but I didn't really know design could also be like that, like thinking about a user experience or experience as a whole. Um, yeah, in my mind, design was indeed making things, mm. and not experiences. So, uh, so I think that started me getting on the road of uh, this this experience thing, this thinking about systems or processes. I like it. It's interesting. It's it is. It seems intangible, but it's definitely experienceable, basically. Mm. Um, and then I saw this experience design thing, and I thought, oh, it's probably going to be with coding or something. Should be helpful. So I jumped in, and then it it was a lot more about. Uh, yeah, how do you think of concepts? How do you build an idea into a business? How do you, uh, yeah, do a bit of service design, design a process? How do you facilitate, bring people together? So it was much more. And then looking back, I think that related a lot to what I was busy with within music because I, I had always played percussion and in bands. And I used to do some workshops with my percussion teacher at the time, which was a lot about how do you, uh, yeah, create things with a group and group dynamics and there it was music but then in design you yeah you also have to create something you have to sort of yeah get people together and get them into a process that everybody is going along with uh, and agreeing with and yeah building upon each other's ideas um so in that sense it it's yeah i try to lay it in that way there's also i think also. there's also an interesting connection when you talk when you spoke about doing a study of that exhibition mm -hmm. and that was about connecting two different worlds yeah which is essentially a also what you aim to do now yeah so it feels like uh really early on there was this there was a seed or there's definitely been a thread throughout everything you've done but at the time as you were seemingly going in all these different directions there mm -hmm. was actually a strong yeah yeah, yeah. i think pull in them yeah. through all of it yeah i think that's also why i found initially musicology that interesting um because it was about how do you like there's there's things we can't explain we can't put into words like music for example it's really hard to you have these yeah, horrible quotes as like, oh, mu talking about music is like dancing about architecture and nobody knows who it's from, but it's Alfa Costello or not. And it's like, oh, the whole quote is already whatever. But um, yeah, there are these really, really tangible or feelable experiences that you can't grasp, basically, mm. um, which is like a paradox. And that I think that's always interested me. 
like uh, it's a bit of the magic of the world how I see it in a, yeah. in a bigger picture um, yeah and then and then and I suppose that's always something do you have you always aimed to make the intangible more tangible or is it mm. about how you use the intangible for bigger impact yeah I think it's the second one like mm. like um maybe not making it tangible but making it visible so you can actually work with it or making it um, more explicit because yeah, I don't know why <laughs> I think there's there's to me the world is like yeah optimistically seen a very magical place where a lot of super interesting and mind-blowing things happen mm. um and if they go if it's for like it can be good or bad in that sense like there's also very disturbing things and you're like oh I don't understand this and bigger topics like climate change or th that also relates to that I think it's like okay what what happens around us and how do we navigate mm. ourselves in this world uh, yeah in absolutely. a very big way yeah and I think the small moments where where yeah you're able to influence that or use it or or bring it together with other people and and work with that um, I don't know it, it might sound super vague but for me that's really the the most interesting part I guess this word generalist particularly mm. when it comes to careers and jobs is becoming more of an accepted term or maybe even celebrated mm -hmm. um what are your thoughts on how yeah how that fits in with you and your life and also how important do you think being a generalist is in the changing workplace mm. I suppose yeah I it's a tricky question I'd say I, I'm like I know for myself I'm definitely not a specialist I don't I don't find joy in knowing everything um I do find joy in knowing who I need to get that knows everything so mm. sort of like also that collaboration part I guess it's also a personality thing some people really like to know the details some people like to have more the overview and I'm definitely more of an overview person um and I think I definitely think um, in a changing world like this when uh it's not about having knowledge in your head anymore but it's knowing how to navigate processes like learning or uh, knowledge acquiring um that it's not in some ways it's maybe less important to be a specialist uh, because if you want to know something you you need to know how to get to know it but mm. you don't need to know it basically while still in a lot of uh yeah professional directions you still need to know you still need to know your shit also so oh. sometimes uh, there's this tendency of like oh but you can just you know if you need to know you just look it up and then it's like well also you just sometimes you have to have to have a body of knowledge or skills that you need mm. present uh yeah at the right moment um and i, I think yeah you're but you're a specialist really in as well because mm. i'd say you're a specialist in uh in the t in you know your knowledge of different tools and processes and your knowledge of how to facilitate mm -hmm. yeah, no, experiences yeah, yeah. Um, is actually a specialist area of knowledge. Yeah. But we seem to always think of specialism to mean content mm -hmm. yeah, rather no, than true. ways of working. Yeah. You've also, as we were saying earlier, you've also got this a real um, joy in starting things. I mean, you're also an entrepreneur and a yeah you start you, you start up a lot of projects in your time mm -hmm. how how does that all fit in into the kind of um melting pot of of your career to date and what's been the satisfaction of, mm. of those sort of things 
it's a good question. I had a friend the other day who said, because I told him about a, a course I was going to do next year. Uh, and he said, is it the case that Annika needs to do every two years something else? <laughs> and I thought, oh God, is this really the cliche that I am? Or I don't know if it's a cliche, but it was quite a yeah finger on the right spot, I think. Um, I think part of part of why I like starting things is that I get bored at some point, like the eighty percent part. Mm. So I'm like, yes, I I have a I have this tendency of when I can see what needs to be done, or when I know sort of like how to theoretically get somewhere. I'm like, yeah, I know, so I don't need to do it. Uh, <laughs> it's with music like that. Like I I'm like ah yeah, but I I like in theory I know how to how to play well, so I don't need to practice. Like. It's, <laughs> Yeah, it's a bit, uh, and then also that's also very annoying because I very well know that for some things you really need to do it. Like there's, it's not um, you cannot just ha like look at it and say, oh, I know you you learn by doing. Uh, and I think that's that's again this intangible, tangible mm. tendency where, um, yeah, I think that's for me a big the biggest challenge in in my work or the biggest critic I have to myself that I'm like, yeah, you know, but you never really go there or. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's a, that's an interesting balance that I sometimes also have that I'm like, or I can get lost in my thoughts. I mean, like, oh, I know how to do it and theoretically and oh, and I can read a lot about things. And then I'm like, oh, actually, I think it feels like I know things, but I've never done it, but still. Mm. And on the other hand, sometimes I'm like, let's just go for it and do it. Yeah. Uh, like that, that was the case with the company that we thought, okay, we just want to create this regardless of. What, what was that of, process? Um, what happened? I think, so it was. And what is it as well? So I was with two other uh, friends I met at Hyper Island, the experience design course that I did. And um, yeah, I think we had a conversation. Uh, we were drinking a beer and then at some point we, I don't know how the idea came up exactly, but I think we thought, okay, we, we just want to do more with this stuff we learned uh, and with with the stuff that for us was super valuable because for me, it really opened doors of thinking, okay, this facilitation process uh, is something that people do and that adds value and that it looks like I'm good at. So maybe I should do more with it. It comes naturally to me. Uh, I love the process. I love the overview. I don't like making things myself. I like to, yeah, facilitate it for other people. Um, so then we thought maybe we should just start it, just start a company in it and see, like we, we think there's a gap in how people, for example, approach work. Um, so the company, the idea was that it's like, we called it a, I think, uh, design and innovation studio. So fancy, many fancy words together always works. Um, which was basically around, okay, how do you facilitate creative processes? How do you lead people into, from an idea to actual doing something about it? Um, but also a part of group dynamics. How do you work together? How do you create an atmosphere that's safe and that, uh, yeah, actually f facilitates better collaboration? from the experience that we had ourselves. So it's, it, it, it was also a bit on, we learned all these tools and things that for us made a really big impact on how do you work together? How do you create things? Um, how do you, yeah, get into a deeper level with also the people you work with, which mm -hmm. resonated to me a lot and to, I think also with my co-founders that work is not only work, it's, it can be so much more fulfilling um, if you bring your whole self. Mm. I never believe in this idea of, oh, yeah, so now I go to my work and I maybe ask, like, how was your weekend? But for the rest, we don't really share what's on my mind. I mean, you don't have to throw your whole soul on the table. It also doesn't work, I think. Mm. But if there's this atmosphere of I really know you and your challenges and 
how you would love to work, then yeah, the work gets also so much better. Mm. Um, so I think from that idea, we said, okay, we want to do something about this. We want to change the way world, the work world works, work works. Yeah. <laughs> and the world works also. The world of work and the Yeah, exactly. World. Yeah. Um, and we just want to start this out, see how far we get, mm. do it together because we like to work together. Um, yeah, it was, it was actually pretty simple in a sense. Mm. And yeah, I don't think, um, it was, it was a simple way to start a business because it was also service based. So you don't need to invest first to create something and then get money back from it. We had something we could offer and people could pay, pay us for uh, directly. So that transaction mm. I think was much easier. Um, because so how did, what did that look like in the first few months when you were getting going and were you, were you earning money in any other way? Yes, I was then, uh, I think, still also at Makers Unite, but um, I'm not sure if then, because I started there also as a volunteer. Uh, So doing these two processes of Unfolded and Makers Unite was doing what I wanted to do and what I wanted to explore during the day. And then in the evenings, uh, I worked at an escape room and in the weekends. So I earned my money there. And then during the day, I, I did what I wanted to do and trying to make money with that. Um, oh wow for that's, like a that's year hectic, or something isn't it yeah yeah that is really really busy <laughs> yeah but when i think of it now i'm like oh how how did i do it yeah uh well then i think i had so much energy from the stuff that i did that yeah it it didn't feel i mean it felt busy definitely um but it didn't feel as exhausted as i would think it would feel when i think about it now basically <laughs> there's, there's yeah. Like, but yeah that, that motivation of well, joy and just in enjoying yeah. yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I think it came from a lot of, from that experience design course saying, okay, if you want, like, that's where I really learned. If you want to do something in the world or make something, you can just, you can do it. You can make it like, it's not necessarily that it succeeds, but you, you can just start it and just give it a go. Yeah. Mm. And I mean, yeah, obviously you have to think about a couple of things, but also at least in the world where I live in, where I'm highly educated, where I'm white, where, uh, uh, money-wise I can save up a bit or there's always a side job like uh, at an, at a, an esca- escape room or a bar or whatever there's always you can always always sort of work in my position basically in a city like Amsterdam where I'm, mm-hmm. yeah there's always uh, something to find which will bring you some way of income mm-hmm. uh, it's a privilege that by then I didn't have a high rent to pay or I didn't have any other responsibilities um, so then I yeah then it's just uh getting the practical money in and Mm. and yeah trying stuff out Mm. and it was really this also this energy of oh i'm in a new field anyway um yeah with the the field i was in before within cultural studies i didn't find stuff also so it wasn't really like i had to leave stuff behind or there was such a better alternative Mm. because it didn't feel better and also in practically it didn't result to better things because i yeah i uh, applied to a lot of things and then it was always like oh yeah, but you you have a master in this, and maybe you're too high highly educated, or maybe you're not practical enough, or um, and it was also in a time where the, where the cultural sector was really on subsidies and people. To me, it really felt coming within the creative sector and more in the design sector. There was much more space for experimentation mm. and thinking. Yes, you can just make it or just do it. Um, uh, experience design course. I I thought I'll I'll just start somewhere. Mm. Um, I'm new anyway. Yeah, there was, a, I think, a sort of a mind shift on 
on I, I remember we had a course then and one one of the people that did the course that that um, came there to, t to tell a story he said one thing I learned is just to show up uh, so with whatever you do you just show up and show up and show up and at some point somebody's gonna be ill or somebody's gonna notice you and ask you hey do you want to take this on or um, and I think that's definitely I mean it's not the key to getting your dream job probably but it's a big mm -hmm. part of at least for me it, it fits a lot uh, a, I think that's about a mindset isn't it, mm. it it's about almost resilient says a lot about having resilience I suppose yeah um, and enthusiasm mm-hmm yeah yeah and I wouldn't be able to to have done it if I wouldn't have liked it like that's also a thing people are like oh my goodness how did you do it and I, I, I yeah it was very selfish for me because mm. I liked it yeah <laughs> it was hard work obviously and it wasn't always fun um, but it's it was definitely a privilege to find something that I finally f got energy from and finally thought hey this is I think this is where I fit this is where people are that I can relate to that I can bring yeah most of my whole self that get my humor that yeah it has a different atmosphere to be in so that also gives a lot, a lot of energy just to keep going for a while mm. what were the practical steps to you kind of shifting your direction and and when when those people were saying to you oh you just find something you like and do mm. it ha like you know practically what were you doing to find out particularly what what how, how did you get to that mm. hyper island course because that seemed to be the the kind of launch pad yeah a bit yeah, I think it was, um, I want to say random, it w probably wasn't. I s I, it was also a question of, because it was a pilot and it was available for people from 19 to 26 uh, years old. And I was turning 26 in January when the course started. So it was the like the final thing, mm. the final moment I could participate in it. So for the first time I was also old somewhere, which was super strange. Uh, and then, so I also had to, there was a bit of pressure. Like if you really want to do this, you just, you, you go for it. Like, and then after, I mean, it wasn't like after Hyper Island, I was just like, oh, well now I found my thing and I will find a job. Yay. I did it. Like it took me, I think one, two years to really get at a point where I was at, where people would say, oh, it seems like you really found your thing. Mm. Um, how so. do you, how do you deal with that, uh, uncomfortable feeling? Mm. Of not really being in your flow as it were yeah i think from what, what really helped for me was um so how i think about things is or i should learn something from it or it should be fun or yeah not even it should pay a lot like that always is <laughs> on the side but or it's, yeah or it should be purposeful or, I sh or it should be fun or i should learn something from it and and uh, ideally it's the three together um and sometimes yeah I mean, fun is always no. Yeah, purpose is also important. I already, I already. Uh, like, no, I think that's no. I think that's awesome, though. That's like almost your your life criteria. Yeah, they it's sound a bit, like they yeah. sound like your fundamental values. Yeah, um, for both your life and work. Yeah, and it's. I mean, I also forget these things sometimes. It's just like, oh, I need to be practical, or uh, I'm not into it, or whatever. But for me, asking myself the question, how do I make this fun, is really, uh, yeah, touches upon so much more than just fun. But it's not easy. I mean, sometimes, and it's also not, life is not only fun. You also need to be able to just do things sometimes and work and do boring things. And yeah, that's but it's part whether, of it. It's whether you can do that with knowing that there's a bigger, yeah. there's a bigger purpose and there's yeah, something exactly. you're working towards. Because yeah. that stuff is only worth doing yeah. if you know why you're doing it ultimately. Yeah. But that's sometimes working within a sphere where I work 
with topics that to me are purposeful and relevant for the world sometimes that's one of the biggest challenges i'm like i don't want to waste my time let's make the most of it and not sit in a meeting and talk but just you know a sense of urgency because the things that you're working on are are important and urgent in themselves yeah in the kind of need for change yeah but then on the other hand it's also very uh yeah a coin that flips because i have also days that i'm like oh i'm posting post-its again on the wall what am i contributing so it's like this self-criticism of saying oh is this enough and do you make enough impact and uh which gets stimulated and satisfied by the work i do but also yeah the questions never get silent like the more i i dive into social or sustainable things it's like oh the, the more shit you you <laughs> see cover yeah yeah. yeah and then it becomes the and world it's only existential gets bigger thing. and bigger yeah, yeah. And it's like oh maybe i should just stop doing anything but what's then... that phrase the more you know the more you know you don't know yeah 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 but what i think is interesting as well is that it seems that your approach to your own work has changed over the last couple of years in terms of your relationship with um uh with nature Mm-hmm. Speaker earlier and you only walk, work four days a week yeah and the kind of importance to you of having um your fridays off yeah which thank you very much for coming in here <laughs> on a friday can't believe you're spending your friday here yes on fun things or on purpose or yeah. learn you know oh yeah like maybe it hits all of them yeah, exactly <laughs> perfect combination no yeah. yeah i think that's for me it's a no-brainer to to, I, it's again a privileged thing to be able to say i don't work more than four days four days is already quite a, a lot uh, to me um yeah and it's really it is really also from that idea where we started unfolded from like the world of work can be so much different uh and more healthy and more fulfilling at least in the sphere that i am in like once i found out okay design and creative facilitation is something that people do and is valued in also financially it's a it's an actual possibility then it also comes with this responsibility of making the most of it because I, I don't have to save lives. I, you know, uh, and I can't, and yeah. I never studied for it. And it's not a thing. It's not. So in another way, I, I feel responsible of at least making the most of the time, at least for me and hopefully also for other people. Um, and that also comes with, okay, the freedom. Yeah. The freedom and the luxury to shape things as I think mm. I want to. To be like, oh, I don't, I don't need to work full time. I think it's important to take care of your health. Like, I know, I know my work is going to be better if I take a longer break. So then maybe I should invest in that, or if I go more outside. Um, so those things become more and more important, I guess. Yeah. So what's so what's coming up for you next then? Well, so yeah, we were talking about earlier that uh, within my job and also part of in my personal life, I I do a lot with. I guess, call it sustainability. Um, We work within the university a lot with SEGs and then we do trainings about how to design with sustainable principles, blah, blah, blah. But then the sustainable development goals set by the UN uh, as sort of to ensure sustainable development, so socially and as well as ecologically. Um, But then in my job, I just mostly sit in a box and I look at a box which sends digital things to people and it's like yeah a friend of mine last weekend called it moving information and i think we are very good and very busy with moving information from place to place which sometimes is very helpful and valuable and sometimes it's just ridiculous um but 
So that's, there's a little bit of frustration there that I'm like, oh, I'm inside behind the screen and I'm supposed to change the world sustainably. What the F? <laughs> uh, so I decided, and I also decided, okay, it, it's really a challenge for me living in a city like Amsterdam to be outside as much as I want to, like really outside, outside, because Holland is also small and it's flat and it doesn't have mountains and it doesn't have a lot of stuff that I really, really like uh, for those moments of awe or space or that I try to... Yeah, encounter. It's just a bit harder. I mean, you can go to the dunes and the beach and there's woods, and but it's a little bit on a small scale if you look at other places in the world. Um, and it's hard to find it anyway in a week because it's it's a bit like, oh, if I go outside for one day, it's already like, oh, a whole day in seven days. And I find that concept ridiculous. Mm. Um, so then I thought, okay, I it's a challenge to find it in my personal life. Maybe I should then try to bring it into my professional life. Um and either way, just be more in nature because I really like it. And it makes sense if I want to work on a natural, more natural world. So I decided to do a course in that, which is actually outside uh, next year, uh, which is super basic. So you sleep in a tent and there's like this compost loo and it's all part of the experience. Um, and looking, f looking to integrate a bit more. Uh, so doing definitely, but also knowledge about how do you yeah use outdoor education uh, creative facilitation in or with nature mm -hmm. also just some basic skills on your own life preservation that i regardless of professional or personal life i really think is interesting to know how you build a fire uh, in dire circumstances or how do you make your own shelter or how do you i don't know navigate a compass those those i think there's a, uh, a similar tendency to people that are like ah oh, now i quit my job and i'm going to make cider or i'm going to put my hands in the mud or that's I, it's a bit of that i guess so guilty yes <laughs> um yeah and to see how i can bridge that and i'm not sure if i will make something out of it like a personal project or a company or whatever um but it's definitely scratching my own itch in the sense that i think our connection to nature could be much more interesting and in that sense then also more valuable and then maybe we also treat the world a bit better mm. um but first of all, it's like, I'll, I'll learn something. It's going to be fun. And hopefully also with a purpose. But uh, there we go. Yeah. Those, yeah. Three, those three common phrases come up again. Yeah. Yeah. So that's definitely yeah. a goal for me that the next year to explore. Yeah. Uh, to not read books, but actually be outside to learn from nature and to really also learn something because I can, yeah, I go a lot hiking and walking and whatever, mm -hmm. but uh, it's nice to also have a little bit more of a base that I can also transfer things to others yeah. and, and sort of start that amazing what what would be your key tips that you'd give someone else who is not sure what to do with their life perhaps they they like you ended up doing because it was a couple of masters wasn't it yeah two I did masters two. Degrees, yeah, and then yeah. and then actually thinking Another to yourself course. oh yeah. help I'm actually not sure this is the right route mm. um always got a bit of an idea what they want to do but not sure how to, how to get there what are the most important things for you do you think Hmm. I'd say definitely. Yeah. I talked to a lot of different people where I had to sort of share my story. Um, after that was after the, the hyper island course. Mm -hmm. Uh, so I got this new skill set, and then I was like, okay, now I go out into the world and get it done, which it doesn't happen that way. So mm -hmm. I drank a lot of cup of coffees, which yeah, sometimes were very nice. Sometimes I called people and they were like, what do you mean? You want to talk to me? This is like, what? <laughs> just go to a meetup or uh, I don't get it I'm like oh shit yeah I also don't really know why I why I'm doing this but it sounded like a great idea in my head um so be bold I'd say 
Uh, That's interesting, isn't it? Be bold. Ask people for coffees, but don't worry if you don't really know why. Yeah. Yeah. I mean... <laughs> or you should know why. I think maybe a bit of both. A bit of, yeah. Like, depending also on the... I, I really like the idea of... of uh, welcoming serendipity in your life because mm. stuff happens also for a reason i think mm. uh, and if you are able to see that reason then it makes it almost more valuable um, sometimes it's also random and it doesn't amount to anything and that's also okay uh, so it also helps at least for me to to sort of um, yeah put it to rest a bit and not be like oh mm. this is such a missed opportunity or i said things and and i i wanted to say different things to this person or um yeah so be bold uh, make sure it's fun. Um, also, the I think the advice of just show up, like just mm-hmm. go, uh, and also keep showing up if there's something there that you think is valuable. Also, if you're not sure yet, like try to persist a bit. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe st- like there's so many things where you can explore in a simple, low-key way if you like something or if you're good at something. Like there's so many, so much stuff happening, at least for example, taking Amsterdam as an example, there's a lot of free meetups. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of groups where you can talk to people that probably at some point were at the point where you are. Uh, and that really helps. And if you, you will, I, at least I also recognize that um, when you talk to such a person, they, they also recognize that. So they know, they know where you've been and they have the uh, sort of, um, how do you call it? niceness to to say okay yes sure i'll have a coffee whatever because i also had coffees once mm. i have the same now when people email me and like oh i would love to hear more about this like sometimes you're super busy and you have a job and whatever but i still remember a lot of people that made time for me and also to remember that a lot of people are quite vain so if you ask them oh my god what are you you are doing amazing things and i would love to learn from you how you got there people mm. often if it's not for a sort of the nice social charitable cause they love to talk about themselves so Mm. they will just be like sure i have and be able to also think about um how can you contribute because i think very often it's like oh i don't know anything and i can't i'm not an an expert in this field and i don't have the skills yet Uh, but you might have things that are very interesting to people that are not in your field maybe you yeah regardless you i don't know you can bring other things Mm. be sure also to always be thankful mindful of time uh, in that networking kind of stuff um, and sometimes just do something just ju- just jfdi it like you just do it and you and then you figure out okay this is very not for me or maybe something comes from it like how i got to makers was that uh, the founder liked me on twitter and i sent him a message saying hey what you do is cool and makers unite wasn't even there yet but it was about another project. And he said, well, I'm actually busy with this new project. Maybe you want to stop by. Oh, wow. Or we had a coffee and then he, he explained like, oh, we're setting up this new project. It's uh, like designing with refugees. Maybe you want to come by sometime. And I came by and then I, I kept on go- coming by. And then at some point they won a grant and they said, well, maybe maybe we can start this up. Um, which doesn't happen for all of it. But I guess with a social cause, if you really align on the purpose and the values then people would definitely recognize it. Then you, you yourself, you also feel it. Mm. And then the practical stuff, you just need to, yeah, sometimes make space for it so that you can continue it in a sense of having a side job or, or 
postponing a bit, saying, oh, I can't make money from it. Or, uh, yeah, at least for me, I felt, I felt strongly enough that something was bringing me value, not financially, but just feeling you. Yeah. It's a bit weird to say, oh, you'll feel it when you, when you're there. Um, but I guess, yeah, being open for, for realizing, okay, this is more and more and more into what I think is for me. Mm. and maybe having some space to reflect on that or to talk to other people like finding also how you learn for yourself maybe that's uh, an important thing to sort of see okay when what do I need to to make sense the best of the things I do is it by talking to somebody is it by writing for myself is it by creating a website that just is more about my story than actual being a website and a portfolio like those Mm. things also help to just do it and not be like, oh, it needs to be perfect and it needs to be, oh, I'm not sure. And you just get, need it, to get your yeah. story out. Yeah. Uh-huh. I always th- find that idea of doing websites quite quite interesting or even LinkedIn profiles. Mm. Is that I think over, the t- over time as well, there was one point when I was changing my LinkedIn profile like a lot mm. and it was more because I was just yeah. uh, investigating what I, what I want, how I wanted to present myself um, to the world. So even seeing that as a working prototype or a a way of a way of testing who who you want to be yeah by kind of becoming it in quite in those quite simple ways yeah the way that you present yourself on these different platforms um and then asking for feedback feedback and being like so what you know is this getting the kind of responses which i want that yeah. and, and are the kinds of conversations that are coming out of this really aligning with what i had in mind what i had in mind and and yeah as you say like are things really clicking um is it feeling good and if not maybe i need to reframe Hmm. certain things it's a lot i think about uh, what story you tell and what story you believe in um because that's at least for me i mean it's a bit maybe uh uh, i don't know what the word is in english not practical or not pragmatic to say but i think a lot of the world thrives on stories Mm-hmm. and the stories you tell or you shape or you create um, and you don't have to have a perfect pitch in that sense but you have to have maybe something that makes sense to you and a, mm-hmm. a way of telling it that also makes sense to you I think those two things I feel like we've got a whole wealth <laughs> of, I feel like we can write a book out of this basically well we can just do it we, or we can just do it let's not think about it anymore no no but uh, yeah that's awesome Thanks so much, Annika. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fly Over the Grass. What resonated with you? What did you learn? Has it inspired you to take any steps that you might not have otherwise? I'd love to know. Do get in touch via Instagram at FOTG underscore podcast. Or of course, you can email me at hello at flyoverthegrass.com. I'd love to give my thanks to Joe Bush for producing the theme tune, as well as those of you who supported me with the editing of the show. Gabby, Josh, Luke, Ella, Harriet, you know who you are. Thank you. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and share this with your friends if you think they would enjoy these conversations too. Until next time.